Pastor Potluck. I'm Core Green. And I'm Peter Constantian. And with us today, we have a longtime friend of the show, former co host. Well, I, he has been a co host, but I was going to say former frequent guest, now not so frequent because life changes. James Marsh is with us today. Howdy. And I'm glad you're here. Uh, Marsh preached today at our Lent series, our, our local Lent series, and as we've been doing here lately. We are interviewing him. We didn't do a show last week. We couldn't make it work with the district superintendent, Reverend Lee, Doctor Reverend Doctor Reverend Doctor Jay Lee. Um, unfortunately, but uh, we have the opportunity to interview Reverend Marsh today, and we're very excited to have you back with us. It's good to be here. And I won't ask you our original question that we asked people who are on the show for the first time. It's not his first time. Because it's not your first time. But in your sermon today, you mentioned that th- that Canton's First United Methodist Church was where you did your first sermon, your yes. inaugural yes, sermon or whatever. So tell us about that. And it, was that, that was your sending church? That was my sending church. Uh, I came to that church uh, for a very good reason. It was for a woman. Oh, and uh, okay. <laughs> that, Now, well, you, you mean... You don't mean Jody. Oh no 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 okay. no. Okay, all right. No. <laughs> she how, was how my... far how far back are we talking here? Uh, 2013. Okay. I met my wife, now wife Lee, and uh, she was born and raised in that church and uh, uh, baptized as a baby in that church and flipped her her wrist and sent her bracelet flying down the. Everybody always tells me that story. And, uh, it must mean something to a Methodist. That means nothing. To me. I can't even picture <laughs> what is this. What's going on here? Is this some sort of amendment to the baptismal ritual, kind of like the garter <laughs> yeah. and the wedding? Yeah, yeah. The bracelet. It. If you catch it, you'll be the next to be baptized. Yeah, that's yeah. It. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> or the next for the funeral. What? Maybe. No. <laughs> well, you gotta make it dark. We're talking about babies and life. Oh. <laughs> Don't well, you know that when we are baptized into Christ, we are baptized we, we, into His death. Yeah, that's true. I thought you were going to say that when we are baptized as babies, someone else dies. So you got to keep the, the number. <laughs> got to keep the balance. It's a revolving right? door. Maybe in the Methodist Church today, sad. <laughs> okay. Now, anyway. where were we going with this? Uh, I was going with that to say that uh, when I up. when I met my wife Lee, she took me to that little church. Which is not, is not a church I would necessarily have picked. This little country church with just, uh, a, but but I found family there. Yeah, and uh, I recall uh, there had been some kind of argument, and so everybody in the church in the church crazy. And I had never had this experience before, but everybody came to the fellowship hall, all thirty or so of them. They sat in a circle. And they passed this piece of wood, and each person said their piece. When they had the piece of wood, they all got up and walked away, and it was over. And I was amazed. I had never seen anything like that in my life. Wow. That it was over, and they let it be over? That was it. I never heard about it again. It was just the the problem was solved. Huh. And uh, so... uh, Take note, churches. This piece of wood may be coming to you shortly. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, anyway... Ultimately, uh, that is where I experienced the call, and uh, uh, Jody Hopkins uh, was my mentor, and I preached my very first sermon there. Well, let's, let me jump in to say that today, one of the thoughts that I had was, you know, 
I haven't seen you preach in a while. I, I'll check in on your online things every now and then, but I haven't seen you preach in person in a while. And the last time I saw you preach was one of your first sermons. Mm-hmm. And you've gotten so much more confident. And I, I just wanted to point that out. Thank you, brother. You Thank seem you. to be more well comfortable in your own skin while you're in the pulpit. So good for you. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Maybe one day I'll I like there. how you 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 def you incorporated humor. You could read the room pretty well. I thought that was cool. Well, thank uh, you. Yeah, we don't generally talk about how people do, so we should probably not. Well, well I'm I'm the rookie of the of the group. See, James Marsh was the best preacher in our Atlanta <laughs> <Atlantic laughs> series. Was he is eternally <laughs> the best preacher. Um, I you know I have I have no basis for evaluating that, but uh, we are glad to to talk about the the word that you brought today. And we are in this Lenten lunch series where we're talking about the seven last works, words of Christ from the cross. And I believe there was a little bit of confusion in terms of who was preaching what, because I w- wasn't there a duplicate. I think we missed the the daughters of Jerusalem. Don't cry for me. I have no idea. And somebody duplicated something else. Anyway, I really thought you were about to be our third preacher on I thirst. And, uh, and I actually did. I actually uh, did some reconnaissance. Okay. And, and checked around with some people because see, I can't. I can't come because of my work schedule and my yeah. other job. Yeah. And uh, so, so I, I asked my spy, which is Shirley, my mother-in-law, who goes to that church. What did Doctor Lee preach last week? And it was I thirst. I said, all right, good. Okay. Good. <laughs> good. So those are not the words we are preaching or we are talking about today. What words are we talking about, James? It is finished. It is is finished. finished. Do uh, do you want me to read it? Let's hear it from the Gospel of John. John 19, 28 through 30 says, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Thus ends the reading. So my translation says it is completed. Your translation says it is finished. You made a point early on to tell us that, you know, what we read here may require some deeper digging in order to understand what does that mean. So what, what did you find out? So the, the, the original Greek word that was in the text is the word tetelestai. Now, I'm not a Greek uh, expert, so I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, (laughs) But it's not really translatable into English. There's not a uh, consummate English word, so the translators are doing their best with it's completed, it's finished. Um, But a couple of things that I learned about that as as I studied uh, the passage this past week is, uh, so it's in the perfect tense. Now, Again, I'm not a Greek scholar, uh, but it's my understanding that what that means is it's something that has happened, is happening, and is perpetually happening into the future. Uh, And so it's not just something that was happening in that moment of time, but it was set in motion forever, that Mm. idea of finished. And and the the root word of uh, of tetelestai is teleo which is the idea of mission. It's the idea of 
what a person or a thing's purpose for being created was. Uh, and essentially Jesus, in that moment when he said, it is finished, he's saying, I have completed the mission. I have completed what I was came to do, and not just in this earthly life that he had, but all the way from the beginning, all the way since before creation, it all came to culmination in that moment. And it was set in motion for the future, God's plan of redemption. So the way you're saying it, it seems to be that what you take from that word is unchangeable. Unchangeable. Uh, because you know, generally when you think perfect tense, you're thinking of things that happened in the past. Now, there is a future perfect, but it's very hard to think of a of a way to use words to express something happening in the future that's unchangeable the only thing i can think of is time itself mm-hmm. don't know what's going to happen but it's going to keep going there may not be a universe in which for it to keep going but time will keep going and so the future the future is the hardest one to grasp because if mm-hmm. it's happened in the past, we can't time travel and, and change mm-hmm. it. We can't change our past. So that the perfect is easy there. Uh, even present tense, it's, it's, it's easier for us to think of things that we cannot change. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the future, that's tough. And we like to think that we can change our futures, that we can work hard and make more money, or mm-hmm. we, can, we can work on our failures or our temptations and maybe have a better future. Um, but to think of a future that's un- unchanging and to think of it as a future that's unchanging for good purposes, which mm-hmm. is what it sounds like you're saying that mm-hmm. Christ offers by finishing it. I want to get back to the, the root word of... To tell us that. But the root word was... Teleo. Teleo. So from that, we also get the word teleological. Mm-hmm. And, um, what does that was, word mean? Well, I'll get there. Okay. Well, I'll go ahead and tell you now. So it's uh, like the end result, the goal. So it's, it's thinking about things in terms of how do you get to this finishing point. Okay. Aristotle talks a lot about this word. He's a big fan of it. Yeah, well, when you when I was writing my demon project, uh, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have Christy look at it because she's got fresh eyes and she can edit it for me. Every time I use teleological or teleologically, she changed it to theolo- theologically because she had never heard that word before. Mm. So then I got this like whole big thing that I've been working on for three years, and it's wrong now. That was fun. <laughs> that, was, that was a fun day. So. Well, uh, I, I'm not a Greek scholar, and so I, you know, I, I can kind of follow this conversation a little bit. But I guess what I'm most interested in is you know, what sense you made of this, James, and what, you know, where you started to find uh, the good news in the fact that Jesus says from the cross, it is finished. And, you know, listening to where you led us after kind of establishing the the definition of this word, uh, we really got from you a sense of the I guess the big picture, mm-hmm. right? You were you you cited a lot of scripture, and um, and I, and I'm grateful for the perspective that you brought because the past several sermons from our preachers in this series have really focused on 
the human person of mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, always careful to emphasize his fully human, fully divine. Homoousius. And uh, there you but go. The same another, substance. Mm -hmm. Another another Greek word for us. And this is uh, what I do today. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's not that you were emphasizing the divinity of Christ per se, but this sort of cosmic fulfillment, mm -hmm. you know, that this big picture, Christ has come to complete a mission. And that I think was really a helpful balance from what we'd heard in the previous week. So where do you see, what, what are some things that stood out for you, like when you're thinking about that big picture of what Christ has accomplished or what his mission was? Where does that come from for you? So... Something that's important to me when I read Scripture is, uh, you know, even though that it's 66 books, we think 40 authors, we, you know, it's claimed we know who they all are, we don't know who they all who are. Who claimed that? Well, somebody. Somebody. Somebody said it. Somebody said it somewhere, yeah. He or she probably, he is wrong. Go ahead. Yeah. And, you know, and they're, they're, they're kings and shepherds and, and prophets and, you know, different languages across probably 1500 years of history uh, the, that it was written though it's talking about a period of much longer than that mm -hmm. unknown length of time and but despite all that and each person able to write in their own humanness though inspired by the holy spirit the, it's the same story and it all points literally to this moment mm. Everything before is pointing forward to this moment. Everything after is somewhat pointing back to that moment and to the future full fulfillment completely of it is finished. Let me talk about that for a minute because I was fascinated with that when you were talking about the teleos and it's completed for all time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if we exist after completion... Mm -hmm. What's our role? Our role Are is to continue. Out? So let me give you an illustration. Uh, this wasn't in my sermon, but you know, I only had you know eighteen minutes or something. You know. <laughs> so let me give you an illustration. I'm a student of history. So on June sixth, nineteen forty-four, the Americans, the British, and the Canadians stormed the beaches of Normandy, right? Four years into World War II, is, is from our perspective, is really, you know, the war had gone on longer than that. At that moment, the Germans were defeated. It would take another year and some odd months. The Russians come over. Yeah, before, yeah. The, before the, the, you know, 300,000 Germans surrendered and, and they were driven back across Europe to their own nation. It would be much bloody. There would be many thousands of casualties. But at that moment... When the beachhead was established, the battle was won. The Germans could not possibly win after that. Hmm. And so that moment at the cross, to tell us die, it is finished. It was all sealed. It was all set into motion. Now there, there's a time past that, 2,000 years. I don't know how much farther into the future, maybe 10,000 years, maybe mm -hmm. before we're over this interview, I don't know. But we are part of what he said in that moment, what was started in that moment, being fulfilled. And I use the illustration of my sermon of what he was fulfilling is allowing heaven and earth to come together in the same space, mm -hmm. like in the garden, right? Yeah. So when we show up at 
Crusoe United Methodist Church and serve meals to victims of the flood. Mm-hmm. In that moment, we're creating that space again. And the kingdom of darkness retreats and the kingdom of God advances. Yeah. And we are, we are causing as Christ's hands and feet, as the temple that he chooses to dwell in of flesh, uh, as, as filled with the Holy Spirit, we are advancing, and, and the devil can do nothing to stop it. There, there is, there, it the, the end game is already set. We're just getting to be part of that happening. So to go back to your World War II example, by the time that the Allies are fighting the Battle of the Bulge, Normandy's already happened. Uh-huh. So... By your example, the victory being won is already in process. Mm-hmm. And so you just carry that forward as you get closer to Berlin. There's still more work to do. And so you just yeah take that out of Europe and put it in on a timeline. On the, on the cosmic timeline. So throughout all of the scope of human history, literally, so God made Adam and Eve. He made humankind. He, he, he made them in his own image, which doesn't mean he, that they look like him. It means that they have uh, uh, self-awareness, the uh, uh, free will to make choices, uh, to discern you know, what, is, what is good and what is evil. He gave them one rule. <laughs> he put them in heaven, and, mm. and they blew it. Mm. But even at that moment when he is sending them out of his presence because they can't dwell in the same space because they're sinful now. He says, and I will. And he says to the serpent, and the seed of the woman will crush your head and you will, uh, you will strike his heel. Mm-hmm. And from that moment set in motion, this plan of redemption that marched forward. So then in short order, one man was picked, Abraham. And from his, him would, would be created this whole nation of people. A, a, a childless man, interesting enough. I will make your descendants like the number of the stars. And from that, and then we move forward and, and, and we come to King David. And, and I will, you will always have a man on the throne. Now, in the immediate, it didn't look that way because God's people were rebellious and they the sons would, were fighting each the other. sons were fighting each other and it gets worse and worse and worse mm-hmm. until they're carried off, off away as captives in Babylon it looks like Ukraine mm-hmm. but yet when the time was right in steps the son of David the root of Jesse mm-hmm. and establishes at the moment he said to Telestai it is finished the kingdom began at that moment it was set in motion. This kingdom that you and I are citizens of, I have but one king. And we continue to march forward, not with a sword. Our weapon is love. Mm. Our weapon is that we can, because we have the Holy Spirit living in us, we can love like God loves. I used in my, uh, in my sermon, which I preached on uh, the words, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. This concept that the cross is actually the throne of God. Mm-hmm. So the the inauguration takes place where Jesus is crucified. Which is interesting because 
inaugurations are thought of as a beginning point. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. here, Jesus is talking about being finished, which yeah. we think of as an ending point. Right, we think of it as an ending point, but I think what I hear you saying, James, is that uh, there was... It was, it was a beginning of the end, in a way. It was yeah, a beginning yeah. of the, it, the the beachhead of the kingdom of God was, was set established. in earth, established in the earth. The metaphor that Christ uses is um, yeast that a woman um, folds into a lump of dough and leavens the whole mm-hmm. batch. There's no way to stop that once it's been introduced. Once it's begun, yeah. it's inevitable and, so, and it will come to its fulfillment. So Christ's crucifixion or inauguration whatever you want to call it 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 hasn't completed the leavening right but it has introduced that which will eventually accomplished accomplish the goal yes and that is so that that aspect of it is finished The comparison with Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And I think we ought to pause and, and actually look at, you know, what's going on in the world around us because 
you know, so many of us will see, you know, millions of refugees, as you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, we'll see... One half of Ukraine's children are refugees. Yeah. yeah. We'll see war. We see... Uh, and, you know, this is just one example of, of war and refugee and displacement uh, going on around the world. Mm-hmm. And many people say, how is it finished? How is it completed? You know, th- there's so much suffering that's still going on. And you didn't have enough time in your sermon mm-hmm. to really unpack for us mm-hmm. and like really connect this with the present moment. Mm-hmm. And how do we, how as Christians do we faithfully look at the world and the suffering and not try to ignore it or pretend it doesn't exist, but look at it straight in the face and still be able to proclaim, yes, and... God is fulfilling mm-hmm. the plan that Christ uh, fin- quote unquote finished or uh, at, on the cross. How, how do we do that? So, uh, you know, and I had a limited time, of course, but <clears throat> so when I thought of that, uh, the situation in Ukraine, and, you know, I'm a person that keeps up with current events pretty heavily, but I have never been as transfixed by a current event mm. as I am this because of the injustice of it. The just, you know the, the and how in your face it is. How in your face it is. You can't. You're and you know you're seeing it with your eyes, even though it's on the TV on the television. You can't sanitize it for your own sanity. You know, mm-hmm. and and you know, especially the last few days where Russian forces have been pushed out of areas, and and there lay bodies of people with their hands tied behind their back with zip ties, yeah. who have been shot dead in the street. Yeah. And, of course, the Russians, all oh, it's fake. Well, here's the satellite images for when Russia was in this area. I saw that last night. Yeah. And, and there lay the same bodies in the same spot, you know. Yeah. Well, So evil is still alive and well, right? Mm. The devil is defeated, just like I used earlier the World War II scenario as a, as a metaphor. Well, the Germans still fought. I mean, the Germans still, uh, Americans still died, and they had to be pushed every inch back off of the, the soil of their neighbors mm-hmm. into their, back into their own territory uh, because we're on a battlefield. Mm-hmm. But because the kingdom of God advances, when those 10 million refugees, 4 million now have, have fled into Poland and Moldova and people take them into their homes and people pour out their benevolence on them and people welcome them that is the kingdom of God being established. Yeah. That in the face of this evil, we will do something. Yeah. We'll do something about it. Jesus is a culmination to me, as I understand, of these Old Testament prophecies, which you also mentioned, and, and really the story of the people of Israel. Because in, in, in most other um, religions contemporary religions to ancient Israel. Mm-hmm. You had stories that were written. I'm thinking of, for example, Babylonian uh, stories and myths. You had mm-hmm. stories written by victors. Gilgamesh. Yes. And uh, Tiamat and Marduk and mm-hmm. other such stories where you have the, the, the myth created around what was, you know, the the 
the the ancient enemy was slain, and that's and and that we are descendants of the victors. And thank God, this monster was destroyed and defeated, right? And it is tempting for I think scholars of religion to say, well, Judaism and Christianity they're just the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're just myths that that the victors write to say. Uh, well, this is just the victor saying that we destroyed this ancient enemy, Satan. There's, but there's, there's a difference. There's a big difference. Mm-hmm. And the difference is that the, the Jewish people, but for, I think, the, the intervention of God, would have been that ancient mm-hmm. monster for another person's myth. Because they weren't the victors they weren't quite the victors. that often. Yeah. No, they were not. And yet... Thank, thanks be to God, we have preserved in these scriptures the story of the one, the one who would have been slain. You mentioned, for example, the suffering servant mm-hmm. in out of Isaiah, Isaiah. 53, yeah. And in Jesus, we have the, the one whom all of the blame for the tumults and the unrest in, in first century Israel was, was blamed on mm-hmm. being killed. And if the victors in that story were able to write the history, and I, I want to be careful not to be anti-Semitic here, because I think they were uh, just put it on the Romans then. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah but uh, uh, the, you know, there was an opportunity to craft a narrative, which we actually see written here in John, where the uh, where where the religious leaders say, you know, isn't it? It is better. Caiaphas says it's better, it's for, better one, for one man to die for the for the many for yeah. the nation, yeah, than for the whole nation to be destroyed. Right. So he he's already crafting this narrative of how we can blame all of our pro- problems on this one person and kill him. But what we have in the story of Jesus is actually a flip of the ancient myth construction, mm-hmm. so that the 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 one who would have been blamed, the the quote unquote monster. That would have been jettisoned from the community, killed, whatever, so that the people can live out in peace. God sides with that person, or God is that person, identifies with that person in Jesus Christ. And then we have to ask, well, where's the monster really? Mm-hmm. And I think where the Christian scriptures point us to is that it's in us. Yes. We carry it with us. The sin nature. And, and we were blind to it. Until Jesus goes to the cross, and we see, you know, and I, I, I see Peter, for example, as my namesake, being a perfect example of this, where Jesus knew that he could not resist that temptation. Mm-hmm. That when the mob was around and they started to yell, crucify, he didn't have to say crucify. All he had to do was say, I don't know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I wasn't with him. But we all participate in mm-hmm. that crucifixion. So in, in, in a real way, we, our sin causes Christ to be on the cross. And God identifies with that person on the cross and gives him a voice. And also, okay, and I, now I'm preaching and you're the preacher. So, <laughs> Well, I want to add one thing to what you just said. and Not just Peter, but Judas. We're mm. all a little bit Judas-like mm-hmm. as well. And most of us think, see him as the bad guy, quote unquote, in the story. But how many of us would do the same thing? Mm-hmm. How many of us would potentially, well, I'm going to ask it a different way. How many of us in churches have said, well, if you're not going the way I want you to go, then I'll just make things happen the way I want them to happen. Mm-hmm. I'll split the church. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's mm-hmm. Judas move. 
That's a Judas because Christ. it seems like, and there's of course disagreement, like there is on everything in the Bible, but it seems like here's a person that is all on board with Jesus when he thinks he's going to start a revolution, mm-hmm. realizes he's not going to, and was like, "Well, I'll kick off one," mm-hmm. and so I'll I'll turn him in, and this will start the big yeah. And, and so, you know and they'll if, want their and king. If he's and, legit, maybe he'll go yeah. ahead and and kick off the revolution, but. Uh, he wanted he wanted that, that hero like he like Peter's talking about who would vanquish the enemy and would yeah, and you know put write, him to the they sword. They can write the, the story the way they want, but we do that. Mm-hmm. If I don't like the way things are going, I'll blow it up and make it happen. I'll split the church. I'll split up this group of friends. Whatever, whatever he is, mm-hmm. my own family. You know, we, we will blow stuff up, mm-hmm. and so we're not just Peters who will deny, not you, but the Peter who will deny. Uh, let me wait a minute. You are the Peter, not oh, not that you. poser in the Bible. You no, no, no. <laughs> anyway. I'm no saint. All right, so we're not just like biblical Peter. We are often, often in many cases, just like Judas. So mm-hmm. don't be too harsh when we judge them, because we're judging ourselves. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, right? Because the, the it would be a mistake for us to then to 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 read this the story of the crucifixion in which God is uh, turning inside out our human storytelling and our desire to have a clear uh, person to blame. Mm-hmm. For us to take that and say, oh, well, if Jesus wasn't to blame for the unrest, then it was Judas. you know, mm-hmm. Or Judas is now the scapegoat. And was as you know, if he died, good riddance. Glad, mm-hmm. glad he's dead. I don't know of anyone that mourns his death when they read the Gospels. No, but Christ broke bread with him, even knowing, you know, even knowing that he was going to betray him, right? And you know, with that line that I preached on, Father, forgive them for they don't know what he do, what they do. I mean, he's got to be included in that. I I really believe I I have to believe that he is included in that. And getting back to my point, if he's not. Maybe we're not either. Are any of us? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, and I get what you're saying, though. We all want the white hat and the black hat. You know? We want to we want to know who the good guy is and who the bad guy is and to see that at the end of the story, the good guy wins and the bad guy doesn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I think we do the Bible a disservice when we read it that way. Mm-hmm. For one reason, because it just obviously isn't like that because we're humans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for the, the other reason is because that makes us so prone to look for Satan or God in everything and not to give ourselves enough credit, meaning we're pretty bad on our own. Yeah. We don't necessarily need Satan to be controlling us mm-hmm. in order for us to do stupid or harmful things. And so, I, I don't know, I, I'm just really cautious. I get really nervous when I hear about you know, people saying, well, Satan did this and Satan did that. And I'm like, okay, but maybe you did. Um, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. The, the truth of the matter is the only thing he can do is get us to believe a lie. I mean, it's always our choice. Oh, you mean you mean going along? Yeah. So if if Satan was trying to cause X Y Z, yeah, we chose to participate, or or else it couldn't happen. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. That makes sense. The the other thing people think about Satan is they think that he's like everywhere, right? That he's um, omnipresent, like God is. He's you know, no, he's not. Hmm. If, if you sin, could it be that Satan was involved? Maybe. Probably not. You did that yourself. But I didn't see in any description I've ever read 
from the Bible of the Garden of Eden, it was their choice. It was their choice. Yeah. And if you want, and by the way, I'm glad you brought up the two Adams today. Mm-hmm. But if you, which is from First Corinthians, mm-hmm. but if you, if you're big on the fall, fall theology, mm-hmm. then that 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 decision to take into their hands literally what God had told them not to mm-hmm. was a human decision mm-hmm. made by humans who wanted to be godlike. Who wanted to be God they on made their that terms. Choice. Yeah, and so. For, from then on to say, well, we, we don't have any, I mean, there's nothing we can do about it. We're just sinful. Um, I think it's a cop-out. Because mm-hmm. it, it was, it, even if you're really into the, the fall, it was started with a human choice. Mm-hmm. And then he brought up the two atoms today. This is the idea, dear listener, that if the one atom sin causes you to stumble, then Jesus, as, a, as another version of Adam, this perfection gives you a gateway out of that sin, and therefore you can resist. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you ain't got an excuse. So, I don't know. I, I think we give Satan too much credit, mm-hmm. and um, that lets off, us off the hook. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe we don't need to be let off the hook. Mm-hmm. Having said that, we all made mistakes. I'm one of them. Yeah. I, well, I, I'm really curious, James. Like, kind of what your own, like, how you reflect on the yeah the the existence or non-existence of satan not to say that satan either is in his existence or or is not but Mm -hmm. the way that you talked about like the influence of the demonic so do you mean the existence in this story or do you mean the prevalence or well i just want to hear more because you brought that into your Mm -hmm. sermon Mm -hmm. and yeah so uh that there is a real Satan, yeah. the adversary, the accuser of the brethren, the devil, uh, the many terms you could use for him. Uh, and so he is the king, king of, the, of the cosmo, the, the uh, world order, the, the way the world operates around us, the corrupt world system. Hmm. Uh, he, has a, he has an unknown number of um, demonic servants. Uh, I use the term army, you know, that they are, you know, like military. Um, These are all very biblical. Yes, terms. but like military. So anywhere like in the New Testament where, in Ephesians where it says, um, um, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and the rulers of this dark world. Yeah. We're not talking about uh, human governments, though human governments can certainly be influenced but they're talking about hierarchies of demonic forces, spiritual beings you can't see that are very active and alive. Uh, they are commanded by Satan. And this, this work that is, was set in motion at the cross that is finished, of course, they want to hinder it. Yeah. They want to stop it. They want to stem the tide. They cannot. They, can, they, they will never be able to. Because... It is finished. It is finished. Because it is finished. Uh, but that is a very real... And their primary weapon is to get you to re- relinquish your victory mm. that was won that day. Yeah. The victory that you have is yeah. to get you to believe the lie that the that you can't be redeemed. Uh, you can't resist the sexual temptation that you experience. You can't put away the bottle 
you can't be good enough. Why even bother? The the lie. That's all they have is the lie. Now they they can use supernatural power to influence the uh, the physical world. Who's they? You're using a pronoun. Who is they? They being those demonic forces. Okay. Uh, but we have power over them. Mm. Like I said today, speak to the nail scarred hand. Now is that power in the blood of the lamb? In the blood of is the lamb. Wonder working power. Yeah. That's great, yeah. Is that song lyrics or something? <laughs> power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the land. I don't know that one. What? It's in the hymnal. Really? Okay, well. <laughs> Even Methodist hymnal? Yeah. That's did not I just me- a Baptist did I me- uh, Have I memorized the whole hymnal? I think I do pretty well. I, I'm a big fan <laughs> of the hymnal, but no, I don't think I... Now you got me wondering if it's really in the United Methodist hymnal, but anyway. What, in lectionary, in, um, we, we miss you dearly in our lectionary group. But we understand. But we understand, you know. Duty calls, work is important, and uh, we were talking on Wednesday, it's yesterday, yeah, yesterday, uh, Psalm 118, and and there was a, a line in there that caught us talking about the devil, and somebody said, the devil wins by convincing us that our helper is actually the source of our problems. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah, and I just thought about how many people I know who have been convinced that God is the enemy, that yes. God has has uh, is to blame for the situation that they're in. And like I said, I think that actually what Jesus is doing on the cross is trying to turn our attention to the reality that like playing the blame game isn't actually very productive. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if anyone could blame God for their problems in that moment, it would be him. Mm-hmm. Because all, I begged all you to let the... me out of this, and you yeah. said no. Yeah. Yeah, and he chooses not to, right? Yeah, instead, I mean, he sees the bigger picture. Yeah, I mean, you think about what's happening in that moment for the first time ever. The Trinity, three and one, one member of the Trinity is separated from the other two. Hmm. Go on. And why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because all of God's wrath is poured out on. But does, son. does that separate them, though? I don't know. For me, it separates them for that time, for that period of time. That's the real tragedy for Here, Here's why I asked that question. All right, so if I'm in an argument with someone whom I love, who I will not name, and that person is just angry and yelling at me, and I'm experiencing that person's wrath. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot of things, mostly not pleasant, but separated from that person is not one mm-hmm. of them. True. So even in the midst of God's wrath being poured into, I don't think upon, but into as a host vessel, Jesus, I don't know that there's separation there. And I know how it would probably feel like God is distant in that moment mm-hmm. because there's not a delivery. There's not, you know, your, your petition to get out of it was not granted. But I don't know if there's any separation at all uh, from the Son, Father, or Spirit. But I wasn't there. Mm. So I can't, I can't know for sure. Even if you were there, you might not know for sure. I'm pretty sure I would. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what, I think what you need to um, respect the mystery Cross. Yeah. Court and I were talking before you got in here. I mean, there are books in which 
that you know anthologies in which they go out to theologians and they ask each one to write a chapter on what the crucifixion means mm -hmm. and they all come up with a completely different mm -hmm. answer mm -hmm. and they put they just put it in a book together and they say here's seven different <laughs> things which, by the way is is how we got four gospels uh-huh mm -hmm. yeah same story told from four perspectives yeah and, and so there is mystery there and i think there is definitely uh uh you know, I don't think that God is asking us to understand mm -hmm. completely what happened at the cross or to, to really understand that big picture. I think just as the, the yeast leavens the dough, like our own intellect, our own human um, comprehension is only, you know, barely able to perceive of what these forces are doing, whether they are, where the, where, whether they are the forces of of good or the forces of evil mm -hmm. uh, and that's why that's why I think Paul and others try to not pin down exactly who our enemy is all the time because it may not always be flesh and blood in this mm -hmm. world it may you know the powers and principalities you know Paul may sometimes name the devil and may sometimes name governors mm -hmm. and princes, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's a blurry area because of the way that, you know, spiritual forces affect us. We can be influenced by them, and it can really be us that's, that's doing evil in the work. I mean, it's the man in the mirror. Yeah. So, so I, I think we do well to... <laughs> <laughs> I know we need to have some music on this podca podcast, so... We, and I'm still listening to System of a Down in my head up here. So. This is before we started recording, listeners, so you don't realize that we were talking about the song Chop Suey by System of a Down. <laughs> Go I've never heard it. Or so I'm old, see. <laughs> Disorder! <laughs> That's a different one. That's toxicity. That's true. That's true. Uh, but, but yeah, I think uh, there's, a, there's a healthy room for, uh, for mystery here, and we preserve that. It, as we get closer to Easter, just as the disciples, we see the disciples, as they get closer to the cross and to the resurrection, it seems like in many of the Gospels, they understand less and less what's mm -hmm. going on. And yet, God doesn't despise them for it. And God mm -hmm. loves them all the more for mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Really, we just need to know it is finished. So I want to give you a chance to just say, as clearly and concisely as you can, what is what is the good news about that line for for the average listener? So here's the gospel in a nutshell. You have a debt you can't pay because you are a sinner. I am a sinner. A sinner by nature and a sinner by deed. And Jesus came and lived a sinless life, fully God, fully man. And he lived out that life without sin. And he became the only worthy sacrifice to be put on the altar to cover our sin. And he submitted himself to death on a cross and became the atoning sacrifice to pay my sin debt and your sin debt so that it's stamped on the legal document of... I'm about to hit the table. I stopped myself. 
uh, it is paid in full to Telestai. Hmm. He has canceled the written code of, of ordinances against us, having nailed them to the cross. Hallelujah. And all one has to do is believe. Yeah. Amen. James Marsh, thank you so much. Thank you, brother. For being on the show. I want to uh, let our listeners know that this next week, we're coming up on Easter week, and there are many events going on in the life of the church. Uh, I understand you have a service mm-hmm. scheduled. Do you want to say something we, yeah, about that? Yeah, we're at uh, Fincher's Chapel. We'll have a Tenebrae service. It's very powerful. Uh, where what we, does that word mean? It's a, it's a candlelight service where we, we read through from the various Gospels the uh, the story of the Passion. And uh, we, we have candles there and we douse the candles hmm. until you get to the last one and it, the room's dark and everybody turns and leaves in silence. And it's, it really grabs you about the gravity of what happened there. Oh, you described the Tenebrae service. He was asking you, you know, what, what powerful means. No, I was really asking what oh, that service meant. He said powerful. You said, what's that word? Mean? No, no, no. Okay. No. I, well, I may not know what powerful means to you, but I have a good... <laughs> <laughs> Any, anyway, what time and where is that service? 7 o'clock at uh, Ventures Chapel, United Methodist Church, 2883 Hyder Mountain Road. Uh, GPS will get you close enough to realize it's the only church on Hyder Mountain. Okay. And, Court, you've got a Maundy Thursday service. We have a Maundy Thursday service. You're going to do a foot washing. We are not going to do a foot washing. We are going to have a, a meal, and uh, the deacons... Is Judas invited? If Judas wants to show up, come on. Um, but the the deacons are going to be sitting with the families. that they, you know, All the families of the church are divided up among the deacons, and they're going to be serving their families. So hmm. that'll be cool. And then we'll go from there up to the sanctuary, and we will engage. We will have communion, and... Look at two different passages, and then we'll go from there in silence. Time and location again? It's here. I think the the, the meal starts at... Meal starts at 6.30. Great. And my church is not doing a Good Friday service this year. Instead, we're endorsing and plan to participate in the Canton Crosswalk. And I want to invite everybody to participate in that. If you're available, we will meet at 10.30 in the morning this coming Friday, Good Friday, Friday before Easter. Uh, so whenever you're listening to it, the Friday before Easter, 10.30, meet in the parking lot at Canton First United Methodist Church slash across the street at the Catholic Church, which is St. John. It's on the corner of Newfound and Oak Street. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... We will be there at 10.30, walk around town carrying the cross, reading scriptures and praying at its various stops that we end up at Canton Central United Methodist Church. So you're welcome to attend and participate in that. It, it can be a meaningful way to, to engage in the real physical aspect of carrying the cross and understanding what maybe what that was like and the procession and, and also an opportunity to pray for the city of Canton as we go through. So... Many events going on as we prepare for Easter. Uh, Reverend Marsh, it's been an honor to have you with us. Appreciate you having me.
For Pastor Potluck, I'm Peter Constantian. I am Court Green, and thankful very much also to Reverend Marsh. That's our show. Peace. See you guys.